Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Hey, thanks for joining us on Digital Voices. We know you can listen to a lot of different podcasts. There's some really, really good ones out there. I listen to them as well. But I know that you're listening right now, and I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate the fact you've taken time to listen. I think one of the reasons is because we have fabulous guests like Janae Sharp. Janae, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have this conversation. I am as well. And we talked about this when we first met in person, at least the last time we remember meeting in person was last year, I think in Nashville. And we had a chance to hang out and connect and, and we've been following each other. We know each other for many, many years uh, through social media and other channels. And so it was great to sort of reconnect. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the founder of the Sharp Index. And so I, I definitely wanted to have you on as a guest. So here we are. And Janae, the first question we ask everyone who joins us on Digital Voices is, what is on your playlist? So like, what kind of music do you like to chill to? Oh, this is a great question. Because sometimes I don't tell people, like I like EDM music, like I have Tiesto, Steve Aoki on my playlist. Also, sometimes Eminem when I'm out doing my angry walk, you know, to gain power in the neighborhood. (laughs) But um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of that lately. Like, so if anybody loves trance dance music, like, yeah, I've I've been uh, live with Tiesto as uh, like DJ or something. And um, my wife's really into a lot of that type of music. And so, um, yeah, he's. Oh, cool. Yeah. See, another reason that we can get along. Yes. Right. And then what about your life message or mantra? Is there something that sort of compels you to do what you do? Some slogan or some words that you live by? I don't know that I have like a big slogan. I do think that every, every change starts with one person deciding things will change. Yeah. And I really think all of us are endlessly powerful to make those changes. So that's kind of how I got to where I am here too. Just like, I think I can do this. Yeah. And if I can't, well, I think I can yeah, no, I love that. And we're going to unpack that. I say in air quotes, right? That's one of those phrases that has become popular, but maybe, maybe annoying. But we're going to unpack that late, uh, later in our in our chat. But first, tell us yeah, a little bit about your story and uh, you know, both per- personal and professional side. And I know there's a German connection we have as well, too. So if yes. you don't get that, I will ask you about that. But yeah, tell us your story. Who is Janae? I have many versions of this story because I've I've done a lot of things and I feel like sometimes I start my story with something I told my sister. I have three sisters. I told one of them several years ago before when I was like a stay at home mom, I was like, I'm going to find something where I can like talk to cool people on the internet and pay my bills. And she's like, you did that. Do you realize you did that? (laughs) So (laughs) I started learning about digital health. I, I learned how to code. I, I've learned a lot of things and I feel like a lot of my story comes from my like intense desire to learn. Um, in school, I studied German teaching and I also studied sculpture. 
So I was able to live in Germany. I've been able to do art. I've been able to do a lot of things. Um, I got married. I had three kids. I had an Etsy shop. I decided to go into healthcare IT. This is like in my, you know, in my life now. And I started working with a company that does patient reminders. I was um, writing about healthcare IT, just doing a lot of things and trying to learn as much as I could while like providing for my kids. Um, Part of my story is also that their dad died by suicide before finishing his residency. So I found myself at this crossroads, like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to follow my husband anymore and have an Etsy shop. I need to like enter the real world with real adults, even though, you know, not that that's not real adults, but, um, so I went into healthcare IT. I started taking coding classes. I started getting involved and I landed on writing about it, but also I've been an advisor for people about their online and digital health strategy. I've written part of a hymns chapter about nursing informatics and social media. I've, I've done a lot of cool things and I've been able to work with a lot of brilliant people about how the internet and how digital health tools can create health. Also from a personal perspective, we created Sharp Index and used some of those same ideas to say we can change the narrative about mental health. Um, when he died, we didn't, the kids didn't get the same response that someone with cancer would get. You just don't see as many people saying that online. Like, I fought this horrible mental illness, and let's celebrate it. Um, It's kind of something people are ashamed of. And as a parent, I decided we need to change that. I got pretty angry and decided we're going to change it. So we started Sharp Index and um, done a lot of great work. But I I always tell people, like, my career path Part of it was someone who didn't plan to be here, so I was able to take risks that I wouldn't have normally taken because I was like, who cares? We're just here, you know? Who knows? Like, I, didn't, I didn't plan for that ever. So uh, I've been able to meet a lot of cool people and do a lot of cool things. Yeah, that's, that's an extraordinary journey. And if people know your, your background and, and as you're sharing now, it, it's pretty amazing. And I love how you took something, you know, tragic and sad. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, but you took it and you made something that where you're helping a lot of other people as a result. And that's very cool. You know, and that, that speaks to me about resilience. So this kind of a curveball question, right? We, we, we didn't talk about or write about, um, how did you foster that resilience or did it just come about, you know, cause that's a big question people often have is like, about resilience, like you had this trauma with your children and you turned it into something positive. How, what, what do you think helped shape that? I think some of it is who I am because when people talk about resilience, um, I don't want to be resilient. I want things to be easy, Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I also have always wanted to learn everything and I loved doing a lot of things. I loved working from the time I was like 11. I wanted to work like, and I think that 
like world where I loved learning and also where I lived kind of like, like I love fantasy novels. I love EDM. Like I love this world of possibility and world building and, and different options. And I think that's part of it. If you have a strong imagination, you'll have strong resilience. Like I didn't really necessarily want a story where I was like, I didn't want anybody to think I was strong. No, thank you. I would sign up for the easy life. Right. But now like, this is what we're doing. Okay. Well I'll show up for this now. And, um, I think my curiosity and like willingness to try new things. And also like, I want to have, um, that learning that's part of my resilience. Um, I also always want to be careful to tell people that I don't condone messages (laughs) of, of strengthening resilience. Like, do you know how you get that? That's like, I wish I was patient. Nope. Nope. Don't wish you were patient. Don't wish you were resilient. Wish things were easier for people. And I wish things were easier for everyone, like a little more humane and a little softer. And I say that a lot because my personality type loves those things, but I don't think that's typical. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. No, that, that's that's really informative. Yeah, and I and I think what's super interesting about you is that v- wide variety in the background, which you've you've shared. You know, everything from your Etsy shop to coding to Germanic, you know, speaking and culture and art and yes. uh, very eclectic background in your music as well. Uh, all has shaped who you are today, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, I do think in language, I think there's a tie in some ways because translating between two things, you see those gaps in meaning and what things can mean. And I see that same thing in health informatics. Like when we're capturing something in a way we're working as, as translators, I've had a lot of great conversations with people about linguistics and about these different forms of knowing. And I think my studies as about how people learn and how people learn different languages actually really helped me both in learning about informatics and about learning about mental health, like our systems of knowing and how those, how those imprints are shaped can, they're similar to informatics. They're similar to translating between a physician and a patient or between, you know, popular conception and what's happening in healthcare. So yeah. it is pretty varied, but I see it a lot of the time as translation work. Yeah, no, it makes, makes total sense. Let's talk about the Sharp Index. So many people are familiar with Sharp Index, but not everyone perhaps that's listening. What can you share to get everyone up to speak? Because I want to dig into that a little bit more. Oh, thank you so much for asking that. So Sharp Index is a nonprofit and we have great volunteers and we have great leaders and we're dedicated to improving healthcare mental health with the belief that healthcare can be the healthiest place to work. Um, we are really a suicide prevention group for physicians, nurses, healthcare workers. And we've done a lot of work. Some of our work has included just being able to advocate for a healthier workforce. That might be fewer hours. That might be better um, healthcare structures or healthcare technology. We also do yearly awards. We've done over a hundred grants for childcare. We've given out scholarships 
and done mentorship and health equity mentorship programs. Um, it's been since 2018. So we've been around for five years and all volunteer driven with over 200 volunteers and several hundred individual donors. So I'm, I'm proud of the work we've done. I, we've done. I always think of it as like, I'm always like, well, this is just my small nonprofit. So that's what yeah. I tell people, like just doing a small amount of work. Um, thinking that every person should be empowered to make a difference in mental health and we need everybody. Yeah. I mean, you are ahead of the game because as you know, what's really popular right now is the whole clinician burnout. How do we reduce burnout on old caregivers? And you had identified we that. We helped make it more hot. We helped yeah, make it hot. You, know? right. you guys were the catalyst. Uh, you had this per deep personal experience and then you took that uh, and with this group of volunteers and had this vision and, and help create something. And so we'll put a link to the sharp index in our show notes. So for those listening, um, you can look in the show notes uh, for that. How is it going fulfilling its mission? Uh, you know, how have things uh, progressed over the years? Well, thank you. Um, I think some of the mission has been great. I, the way people talk about physicians and healthcare workers is so much better. I also sometimes feel that burden that you feel sometimes in mental health where you get tired. Yeah. Um, right now people are hurting. People really need to be heard. And, you know, we just started doing trauma support for physicians. Things are going great for the nonprofit. Yeah. Um, can you share a couple of examples of, of the impact or any stories? You know, I know we'll, we'll for HIPAA and all these other reasons, you know, we don't have to go yeah. names or anything, but we do have some, we do have permission from some physicians yeah. to share their stories. And I like that you said that too, because we've looked at like utilization rates in for, for healthcare workers or people report their burnout rates. And we make sure to not share that data. Like we don't share if people report that they're depressed or that they hate their employer. But um, this last year, we started doing more legal aid after a physician reached out to me and said, hey, can you connect me with some doctors who have had, you know, OB experiences? And I was like, this sounds a little iffy. You know, I was like, yeah. what do you, what exactly do you need? And um, it turned out that that hospital wasn't, honoring like what the recommendation of a doctor was after the death of a child, like mm -hmm. the physician had lost a child. And, um, we connected them to like volunteer attorneys and to people in their network. So some of our work is really about that connection, like ensuring that physicians have advocates when they wouldn't normally. Um, I've also been able to, you know, talk to people who have been awarded our scholarships and they're just like, I, I was really struggling during that time and I could have ended up in the same place. Yeah. Um, and those personal stories, um, they make a big difference, like for a direct aid. Yeah. We've also done things like, you know, let's show that people are working all day, every day. By, you know, visualizing stuff in the electronic health record. And it turns out 
that um, they're only four hours a day when they weren't active. Four yeah. hours. That's like not a lot. And, and, and things, projects like that are really informative. Or when you show people that people are burned out and depressed and that those are sometimes separate. And physicians who have great mental health or great coping mechanisms, they might still be working too much. Yes. You know? Wow. <laughs> or they might, they still really benefit from those things, but we need to work on both problems. Yeah. So, so those are some of the examples of things that we've been able to work on. Yeah. No, it's tremendous. I mean, you're saving people's lives and you're improving the quality of people's lives. Um, so it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, one of the hallmarks of what you do are the sharp index awards. I, I watch this yes. unfold every year and, uh, it's very exciting. I sort of follow what's going on and, you know, who's doing, who's doing exemplary. Can you share a little bit with the audience about what the sharp index awards are? Yes, I would love to. And I hope everybody listening can nominate someone and get involved. Um, we have a bunch of judges. We have a bunch of people who nominate everyone and evaluate all these projects from people who are doing great work in mental health. And this really started from, I think Susan Matney spoke at the American Telemedicine Association about women in health IT and said, you know how you promote, someone raised their hand. They're like, how can we get more men excited about it? And she's like, give them an award. And I was like, that's a fantastic idea. Like, I love trophies. I'll run a race and get a participation medal. Like, I will do a lot for a little medal trophy. And I also want mental health, which is actually pretty hard sometimes when you're dealing with these things. It gets heavy. Yeah. So we thought, you know, let's make it fun. Let's make this something positive that's not only like we're taking something that's hard and we're saying we're going to make this an award. So people are investing in this. People want to win. And we get so many nominations of people who have done like significant work. And some of those categories are advocates who are sharing their stories, stories about, you know, they, they were asked questions about their mental health history on their licensing exam. And they were, they ex experienced significant setbacks. Mm. And, um, you know, there are awards for people who have done things in health equity. We had to start a new category for lifetime achievement award winners um, the year the Lorna Breen Foundation was started. They were nominated and we were like, there's no real category for this. Like I founded a whole new movement. <laughs> and I think that's also partially part of my vision that like everyone can be involved here. The more people we have who are working towards a kinder and more supportive world, the better. For sure. So I'd love for people to look at that. There's the, you know, physician leader of the year, advocate of the year, you know, healthcare systems are really investing in this. Penn Medicine went in and they had people on the front lines asking and the physicians felt safe enough to tell them how they were doing. So creating that culture yeah. where mental health is a strength that I think is the future of healthcare. Like if we really believe mental health impacts people, we will have a workforce that feels safe telling us. So 
The awards happen every year. They're virtually usually. We might be in person this year, but it's just nice. You get a trophy. You get to hear people who have worked so hard to improve things. And that, I think, gives us more inspiration to continue on. Yeah. Janae, I want to talk about leadership, but before we head that direction, anything that we missed on the Sharp Index and the, the work that you're doing there? We, we have some great things launching soon, so stay tuned. All right, a little teaser. So we'll look at the website, yeah. up on the website and, and uh, LinkedIn and different channels and see what's going on. Yeah. Now, I know you're a big believer in hymns. In fact, you're yes. pretty involved with the chapter out in Utah. Uh, yes. Why? Tell us about why you're involved with hymns and, and tell us about your chapter. I would love to. We're also connecting more with the North Carolina chapter too, like um, to do do things together. So with multiple chapters, I am on the Utah hymns board. I have been for over five years. Um, I think part of my start with hymns is probably why I'm in healthcare IT. Um, I decided I wanted to go to the patient engagement conference and I messaged hymns. This is years ago. I feel like it was, probably 10 years ago, you know, and I didn't have a ticket. I could, my, my organization I was working for didn't really want me to go. And I was like, look, the org doesn't want me to go. I want to go. <laughs> like yeah. I wasn't really, I wasn't really working in a place where I would need to go. And they, um, let me volunteer and go. And they let me get involved. And they had some great educational opportunities for people who were, still trying to learn. And that was the start of it. And then I got to go to the hymns conference with John Lynn writing about it. And I got to meet people who really care and who are also wicked smart yeah, and kind of geeky. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> um, I also think in order to improve healthcare, you have to have the system set up to enable that. So, so that's, you know, through the years, I've, I've been able to be involved in a lot. I was a social media ambassador. I was, um, I've been able to speak at the conference and to write part of a chapter. I think I like it. It's, it's an opportunity to be a leader, but also I think it's a place where I can contribute and help too. I can, I can give input. You know, I brought like a two-month-old baby to Hymns National one year. And they got to learn how to accommodate that. And some of those bigger conversations, those are important. They're important to have. So yeah. Utah Hymns is having an event in September. And we're also having ongoing quarterly events, like in person and online. Like we'd love to collaborate with other leaders um, in health information technology. And I think it's been great to work with so many people who are just hard workers and, um, yeah, I, I think it's a community that I really enjoy. Yeah. You know, you've got a great one out there too, in Utah, you know, a lot of great organizations and a lot of great leaders associated with those organizations and there's people, uh, like yourself. So it's a great community, um, to be part of. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're there and so engaged. What's the hardest decision you've had to make in your career? Oh, that was the question. I have a hard time answering these because 
I feel like I've made a lot of decisions. Um, and sometimes the hardest decision I really had to make was just to decide to succeed. Like it was rough when John died and I was have I had these three kids, you know, the oldest was in second grade and I just didn't really want to do this. <laughs> so one of the hardest decisions I had to make was just to keep going, even though I didn't have the perfect voice. I'm not always the perfect advocate. Um, but I had to make that decision to believe in myself and to share my voice but instead of trying to fit in with everybody and get along. And I think that was a hard decision for me. I've also had to make pretty hard decisions about, about partners and about um, different people we could work with. And one of the hardest decisions I made was based on like ending a relationship with, with partners that didn't share the same values. And I think going through death helped me with, that, me with that in some ways because I just didn't have the capacity to work with people who were mean or who were awful, you know, it like was too much. I was, I was too fragile. <laughs> I tell people, but then, um, staying consistent with that can be difficult. Staying true to your vision or what you think is really important, um, is one of the hardest decisions you'll make. Yeah. That's good. What about recharging your batteries? You're super busy. You have three children and you're I have four on now. I have four. four. I have a million kids. Let's just say I have a million kids. A million kids. Hymns, which is like having children probably when you're on the board at times. Uh, your own business. Uh, all these awesome relationships, super active socially. Uh, and I know there's more to your life than that, but those are just things, you know, front and center. How do you recharge your batteries and remain fresh and not suffer the burnout that we've been talking about? Um, oh, I do get burned out. <laughs> um, actually, that's part of it. I do get burned out. Like it yeah. is overwhelming sometimes to have four kids. I decide what I can and can't do. And I stay laser focused on the things I can do. And... Sometimes when people talk about like self-care and recharging their batteries, they're talking about like vacation. And sometimes they're talking about, you know, making sure I get a workout in, making sure that I talk to someone I care about, you know, dancing to music that I like or swearing, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, things that, that still make you feel alive. And I think I keep it simple by, focusing on what I would do in my ideal life and just pick one of those things. Love it. And we spoke about a lot of different things in our time together. You know, everything, we didn't get to speak German, but. Oh yeah. And we didn't talk about my proudest accomplishments before Sharp Index. I was going <laughs> to share those. I wrote well, down a list. Well, you, it's your, you get the last you got the last go. That's where I was leading to. I was sort of summarizing, but let's jump right to it. Um, I let you have the last word. You could talk about those things right now. Well, maybe those things aren't the most, I mean, the most important thing, I think if I was really having the last word was an invitation for people that even if you're not perfect, you are needed. 
And every change starts with one person who isn't perfect deciding to show up. Love it. That's a that's a great way of ending our time. And I, I, those are powerful words, Janae. And I, I know they have resonated with uh, many who are listening. And I would just encourage them to take action as a result. And again, we will put all of your contact information in our show notes so people know how to get a, a hold of you, find out more about the Sharp Index and uh, interact with you. You're a great uh, individual. I've always enjoyed everything I've seen with you in our in our interactions together as well. Uh, you're just one of those fabulous you know, leader types out there who's authentic, genuine, not afraid to say it like it is. And is uh, and when I say authentic, you know, he's like, yeah, my life isn't perfect. I've got <laughs> like everyone else, you know, right? Uh, but sometimes yeah. it's funny. Sometimes you know, we're we're so compelled to put on the perfect facade and make it seem like we're you know nothing's you know everything's happy go lucky and stuff. But but you're real, and I think uh, that's why you connect with so many people. So thank you, Janae, for being on our show. Show and thank you for sharing so deeply. Uh, about your life and, and all the things that you've gone through and how you take action and you make that change. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for your continued dedication to sharing everybody's voices. It's amazing. Well, it's it makes it easy when it's people like you. So that does wrap up Digital Voices. And again, like I said at the top, super thankful that you've joined us on this journey. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.